sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It is a Friday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us bright and early on this Friday morning. To end out your work week, we get you set up for a huge weekend around the sports landscape. Here we are in the final few days of the month of February. Basketball is front and center. The NBA back underway yesterday following the all-star break nine games of association action to get things started down the stretch run of this nba regular season 20 or so games remaining for most teams around the nba of course college basketball comes down to its final few games of this regular season a huge second to last weekend on the horizon in just a few days left in february which means march is very much near and dear we'll go all around the sports landscape major league baseball spring training games start today we get you prime for 2023 in mlb all of that and more over these next two hours we bring you up until 11 a.m eastern time live right here on the grid so the nba resumed last night following the all-star break nine games of action all around the NBA. And as it stood, one of the marquee matchups that highlighted the slate, two of the best teams in each of their respective conferences, the Denver Nuggets, a five-game lead for the top spot in the Western Conference at the All-Star break, hitting the road for their first game, following the break to Cleveland they go. And the Nuggets, booked as a three-point road underdog in the land last night against the Cavaliers, get a six point victory outright as that three-point underdog 115-109 only the 14th game all year long for Nikola Jokic and the Nugs booked as a dog they are nine and five against the number when that has been the case all five starters for Denver last night scoring in double figures we'll get to the most important one the MVP front runner here in just a moment but Evan Mobley on the other side 31 points for Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell, 26 and a half was his points prop. He finishes with just 22. But the story, as it has been all year long, is Nikola Jokic in the hunt and the odds-on favorite with a pretty hefty number to win his third consecutive NBA MVP. He cashes that triple-double ticket last night against the Cavaliers with a plus 155 number, finishing with 24 points, 18 rebounds, and 13 assists. Nikola Jokic is pretty much averaging a 25-point triple-double, 24.7 points per game this year, more than 11.5 rebounds, 10.2 assists per game. He had a triple-double in Denver's final game against Dallas entering the All-Star break. He has now had a triple-double in seven of the last nine for the Nuggets. As consistent as they come, filling up the entirety of the stat sheet. Nikola Jokic is the odds-on favorite to win the NBA MVP. If anybody is really going to challenge him, it seems Joel Embiid might be that best challenger. A slow start for JoJo and the rest of his Philadelphia club following the All-Star break. Got to get those legs back in NBA competition. They were hosting the Memphis Grizzlies last night in the city of brotherly love. They were down by a ton at the break. 12 points, in fact, as they entered the halftime locker room, but they outscore the Grizz by 11 points in the fourth quarter to come back for a 
105-105 victory. Now, a five-game winning streak for Philadelphia. They have covered in all five of those games. John Morant has often said he's fine in the Western Conference. Memphis has been really good against the East this year. 18-6 and six entering. Now make that 18-7 and seven straight up. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of a Friday live right here on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Philadelphia, the 76ers, one of 18 teams last night in the NBA to resume their regular season following the All-Star break. A big second half for the Sixers. They come back to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. 110-105 covering as a three and a half point home favorite. So we mentioned Joel Embiid. A big second half for JoJo, but a big game overall for James Harden. Philly's leading scorer last night. 31 points, also finishing with seven boards and seven assists. Not the Best start to the stretch run following the All-Star break for John Morant. Just 15 points, well under that points prop of 26 and a half. Joel Embiid struggled mightily in the opening half against the Grizz. Had just two points at the break, but finishes with 27 points, 19 boards, a 27-point, 19-rebound double-double as Philly storms back in the second half to win their fifth straight game now as we go to the western conference two teams that we are always going to focus on that have high hopes entering each and every nba season but right now firmly in the race for a playing spot in the western conference the lakers opening up their stretch run hosting the golden state warriors sons stephen curry and the lakers take advantage 124 111 last night inside the crypto.com arena in la as the lakers cover as a six-point home favorite as well not a great scoring night for anthony davis or lebron james they only played 26 minutes apiece but five players for the newly revamped los angeles lakers coming off the bench score in double figures so here's where things stand for both the lakers and the dubs who if the season ended today golden state would be a play-in team the lakers still about a game out of that 10th spot in the western conference both favored to get in to the play-in tournament and the warriors have a minus money price to reach the western conference playoffs the lakers still a ton of ground to make up in a jumbled western conference the nfl offseason is heating up the drama in the storyline up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back to the morning we're live right here on this friday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. It is a Friday, and for the first time with myself here in New York City in our great SportsGrid studios, it is not a football Friday. Because the last time on a Friday that I sat here on this desk, we were still about a week away from Super Bowl 57. So maybe allow this to be an off-season football Friday, live right here 
on TMA. And as the offseason continues to churn on, the biggest storyline in my estimation is going to be the quarterback questions around the National Football League. You could make an argument feasibly that anywhere from 12 to 14 teams have huge questions that need to be answered this offseason around the NFL as it pertains to that quarterback spot. And how they go about answering those questions will be what we all follow. Will it be the veteran quarterback market with some big names? potentially available or if you have an early enough first round draft pick might you look to the rookies in a much deeper quarterback class this year for the 2023 NFL draft than last year in 2022 but a guy that is far from a rookie nearly been in the National Football League for two decades Aaron Rodgers is back into the sunshine out of the darkness from his darkness retreat in southern oregon if you want to go see what you could do if you went to southern oregon in the darkness retreat and what it feels like to live in a hole i recommend you go to social media and see the illustrious cabin-like structure that aaron Rodgers stayed in i don't really care about what happened on the darkness retreat all i really care about and really all that anybody in the national football league should care about this offseason is what the darkness taught Aaron Rodgers what did he learn in his nearly weak darkness retreat that he was trying to find the clarity about what his future holds in the NFL did the darkness tell him hey Aaron you're going to be a Green Bay Packer or did it say hey Aaron the Big Apple looks pretty nice next fall that is what we have to determine because you could make an argument Aaron Rodgers is the biggest mover potentially of this NFL offseason certainly in the quarterback market but again a distinction needs to be said for Aaron Rodgers. He is owed north of $50 million next year in 2023, and you need to acquire him. He is not a free agent. You would need to send a lucrative trade offer to the Green Bay Packers front office that, that they would have to agree on. That's going to include multiple first-round picks. So our mock odds makers back at it trying to find the best numbers for who is the favored team to land Aaron Rodgers for the 2023 NFL campaign. A big shout out to our producer, John Shames, who is killing these mock odds this NFL offseason. The Raiders right now, a slight favorite. I would agree. Aaron Rodgers has already intimated he would love to re reunite with his former teammate in Devontae Adams. The Packers, as the incumbent, has to have a pretty short number as well. And I think the Jets, like most of the National Football League, are waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers decides to do. If he tells Green Bay, hey, I want to be sent somewhere else, or maybe if the Packers front office and brass decides to make that decision for him. If this is the final time we have seen Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform, he will end his 18-year NFL career, all 18 of them, at the helm of the Green Bay Packers. He was on the bench backing up Brett Favre for his first three years, then went on to win four NFL MVPs, one Super Bowl, just a 12-10 and 10 playoff record, but one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen play this position. Aaron Rodgers will need to be dealt for. That is the same for Lamar Jackson. But each and every day, as this offseason continues to move along, it seems that is a very likely scenario according to reports from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler if this cannot be done if a contract extension is not reached between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens front office the likelihood that he is traded increases pretty much 
on a daily basis. There was some further reporting yesterday that Lamar Jackson this past offseason was asking for more guaranteed money than the Browns even gave Deshaun Watson. Again, that was a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Further reports state that last offseason, Baltimore offered Lamar Jackson a five-year deal worth $250 million, $166 million of that guaranteed, but Lamar reportedly said no. Again, always know your sources, know what is at stake. And now Baltimore has hired Todd, Todd Munkin as their new offensive coordinator. He spent the past couple of seasons as the OC for the Georgia Bulldogs, the back-to-back reigning national champions in college Football. There is an idea that during that search, Lamar Jackson was involved in it, or at least the offensive coordinator was looking to develop Lamar Jackson more and more as a passer. We've heard the same thing since Lamar Jackson left Louisville, where he was a Heisman Trophy winner. We want to see him develop a pocket presence. We want to see him develop more arm talent. Stop it. It's a tired narrative. He is a wonderful pocket passer but that is not all that Lamar Jackson is and that should not be the standard for playing the quarterback position his ability to utilize his legs maneuver and manipulate the pocket should not be seen as a detriment it is only a positive and a benefit and frankly the Baltimore Ravens have structured their entire organization specifically offensively to figure out a scheme that highlights the best of the abilities of Lamar Jackson and as our lead NFL analyst on sports grid Warren Sharp said yesterday on social media since Lamar Jackson was brought into Baltimore drafted at the end of the first round and under his rookie contract the Ravens have spent the 32nd most out of 32 NFL teams on wide receivers. So really, have you tried to develop him as a passer first and foremost? Quarterback questions as well for another birded team. That would be the Arizona Cardinals. A ton of changes this new offseason. A new general manager, a new head coach as well, and the defensive-minded Jonathan Gannon. But as their team owner, Michael Bidwell, said just earlier this week, there's some quarterback questions for Arizona. Kyler Murray, of course, tearing his ACL, had surgery to repair that ACL this offseason, but late in last year's NFL campaign. His backup, the old reliable veteran Colt McCoy, also dealt with significant injuries at the tail end of last year. Who's going to be healthy enough to even start week number one for the Cardinals? It's why when you look at their odds for 2023, it is a very bleak picture out in the desert. Last year, they were a four-win football team. This year, their odds to win the NFC, 85 to 1. They were favored. There was a minus money price with Arizona to make the postseason last year. They were a playoff team in 2021, and they even had a really good chance of winning the NFC West Division. But that 85 to 1 number to win the NFC is the longest price on the board right now. 180 to 1 for the Cards to win Super Bowl 58, tied for the second longest number alongside the Indianapolis Colts. Only the Houston Texans have a longer price at this point. Keeping it in the NFC West, longtime veteran linebacker, one of the best still in the sport, going past a decade in the NFL. Bobby Wagner and the Los Angeles Rams have decided to part ways. It was a disastrous, of course, 2022 NFL campaign for everybody in that Rams organization following the Super Bowl 56 victory. The Rams last year lost 12 games. That was the most ever in the NFL in the history of the sport for a reigning Super Bowl champ. 
Bobby Wagner spent only last season with the Rams, the entire decade, 10 years prior to that, with the Seattle Seahawks. But there is optimism for the Rams because injuries were such a big deal for Los Angeles last year. 13-1 to right now to win the NFC. It's the fifth best price in that conference. There's a lot of quarterback questions right now. There's a report in The Athletic today that before Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos, he asked the Seattle Brass to fire GM John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll, and he wanted Sean Payton. Well, he got his wish now in Denver, but a ton of drama in the Mile High City. It would have been great for a documentary series to film Russell Wilson in his first year as a quarterback in the Broncos organization, but that did happen with a few other quarterbacks around the National Football League. A new Netflix docuseries is coming out later this summer that follows Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. The good, the okay, at least if it's not in prime time, and in ugly, 2022 for Mariota and the Falcons. A huge weekend ahead in college basketball. We start to break that down up next, live right here in the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are just five days away from the start of the month of March. Now, I have said this a few times this week. That's when the madness in college hoops is expected to really intensify. But do not wait for March. The final few games of this college basketball regular season are going to be bonkers as well, as they were last night, and as they will continue to be in the second-to-last weekend of the college basketball regular season. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on a Friday Live on the morning after on SportsGrid. One of the best college basketball handicappers, one of the biggest college hoops fans that we have here at the grid, our associate producer on the morning after, Andrew Bocci-Galupo, joins us live here on this Friday as well to look back on last night across the country, and then Botch set the stage for a huge weekend in college hoops where regular season conference championships very well much are on the line. Bocci, how you doing on this Friday? I feel fantastic. You smell that? It's not what Botch is cooking. It's the madness. The scent of March is right around the corner. Ben, we're going to have conference championship tournament brackets by this weekend for some of the mid-major conferences out there we roll into the big power five schools next week it is going to be one of the most exciting times of the year boy we need to gear up we need to lock in and we need to get ready because we are due for an incredible month of basketball just on the horizon you might call it the madness maybe if the bocce galupos are breaking down march madness it's the sauce because the sauce the Bocci Galupo family can put out there is fantastic. Believe me, I've had a few mason jars in my time. Botch, there's odds out on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now for some of those conference tournaments already getting underway in just a few days. The A-Sun starts on Monday, February 27th. Today is Friday, February 24th, March. The postseason, very much close in college basketball let's go to the final few games though of the regular season at the high major level including in the big 10 conference the land of lincoln the in-state showdown in the state of illinois between the illinois fighting illini and the northwestern 
Wildcats. Botch, the Cats were looking to sweep the season series against their in-state foes in the fighting line for the first time since the 1965-66 college basketball season. They were up 18 at the halftime break. It seemed as though number 21 Northwestern would do just that. And then Terrence Shannon Jr. and the Illini had other ideas. They outscore the Wildcats by 22 points in the second half. They storm all the way back for a 66-62 victory at home. Northwestern does cover as a five-and-a-half-point road underdog, but a huge win, Bocce, last night for Illinois. What was your main takeaway from the game in the Big Ten? I thought the biggest takeaway was being able to come back in this game and stay alive in the Big Ten. I mean, we're going to touch on it in a few moments here with the standings in the Big Ten and how tight it is, but an impressive win for Illinois. You mentioned it, down 22, or being able to outscore Northwestern by 22 points in the second half. 47 to 25, they outscored the number 21 ranked team in the nation in the Northwestern Wildcats. Terrence Shannon Jr., you mentioned him, 8 of 10 from the field in this game, 4 of 5 from deep, 26 points coming off the bench for the Fighting Illini. Now sitting at 10 and 7 on the season, tied with Maryland, Indiana, Mm. and Michigan in the standings in the Big Ten. Ben, it's going to be tight. Conference tournament season in the Big Ten may be probably the most exciting tournament that we're going to see coming up to determine who will come and join that March Madness bracket with the automatic bid. It's a really good point, Botch, because that 10-7 and conference record that Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and now Michigan hold the Wolverines on the road last night in the rack in New Jersey, a big double-digit victory over Rutgers. That 10-7 and number, there is now a four-way tie for third place in the Big Ten. Northwestern just a game ahead of that. Purdue now two and a half games up for that top spot. Trying to figure out the seeding, Bocce, for that Big Ten tournament in a few weeks in Chicago is going to be absolutely nuts down the stretch here of this regular season. A huge weekend in the Big Ten. Bocce in 49 other states, it's just basketball. In the state of Indiana, it means everything. We will see that in West Lafayette, inside Mack Arena on Saturday night as Purdue hosts their old rival in Indiana. IU's last win inside Mackey, end of January 2013 with a Purdue victory. They become very, very close to clinching a Big Ten regular season crown because Northwestern Bocce on Sunday visits College Park in the Maryland Terrapins. If the Terps win that game, Purdue with a victory over Indiana as well. Your Big Ten regular season title winners. It might come down the stretch, Bocce, as well in the Pac-12. UCLA is the top team in that conference on the road last night in Salt Lake. A 78-71 victory over the Utes. The hook giveth and the hook taketh. UCLA closes a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, so Utah does get the slight cover. Bocce, the Bruins now have won seven straight games. They have been favored in 16 of their 17 Pac-12 conference tilts as well. Now 9-7 and seven against the spread, but it seems, Botch, the Bruins and Mick Cronin playing their best basketball at the perfect time of the year. Yeah, best basketball, perfect time of the year, and they're getting their stars to play at an exceptionally high level. Last night in their victory, 78-71 over Utah. Hawkins Jr., 23 points, 10 of 15 from the field. For Utah on the other side, it was Mike Sanders off the bench, scoring 25 on 10 of 17 shooting, but... You mentioned it with UCLA playing their best basketball of the year, the number 14-ranked team in the country right now. They have a real shot. 
to go out there and be a team that can insert themselves into the Final Four with just the way they're playing now. Gearing up for conference tournament time, they're not taking these games light. They know they're one of the best teams in the country, and they're going out there and playing their best basketball right before it means the most. It's going to drive so much momentum into this program and so much energy into this team that over the last couple of years has made some deep runs in this NCAA tournament. UCLA playing some of their best ball in a really good spot. Potts, it's a really good point as well. You mentioned Jaime Hawkes Jr., the leading scorer for the Bruins last night, 23 points. He, Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark, they have all been members of those deep NCAA tournament runs each of the past two seasons that pedigree is going to prove huge by the time we get to march ucla now 15 and 2 in the pac-12 a two-game lead for first place in the conference over arizona the bruins and the cats and the year against each other in westwood to end out that regular season bocce this weekend in the west coast conference everything is on the line but we set the stage here as gonzaga picks up a big home victory last night in spokane 97 72 over san diego covering as a 22 and a half point favorite saint mary's bocce who currently has that first place nod in the wcc a big victory over pacific as well saint mary's with only one conference loss visits spokane and gonzaga on saturday the zags have two losses including against saint mary sobachi everything on the line saturday in spokane between gonzaga and saint mary's i mean what a contest the wcc over the last couple of years really the last decade it's been the zags and saint mary's I'm so excited to watch this game this weekend because you mentioned it. Whoever wins this game is could come away with the number one overall seed out there in the WCC. Zags last night, handling business, 97-72 overall win. They should have dominated them. They're the number one second-ranked team in their conference for a reason. They beat a 4-11 team in San Diego. But while I'm looking in this game this weekend between St. Mary's and Gonzaga, is that three-point shooting of St. Mary's. That's their bread and butter. If they can knock down that three-point shot from the outside, they're going to win this game. They want the three. They're going to look for the three out there on the wings. And if they could hit it at a consistent clip, they're going to win the game. They're an incredible defensive team that can shoot from the outside. And we know teams like that, when it comes to tournament time, are incredibly dangerous just because they can shoot the lights out and go on stretch runs at any given moment. This game is going to be a tournament game towards the back end of the regular season. You have to imagine that the excitement, the emotions, and the overall energy from both sides will be there come this weekend. Pachi, we'll have to look this up. I'm not sure the last time Gonzaga did not win the regular season West Coast Conference Championship, but that is because they have dominated this conference for the better part of two decades. Spokane on Saturday is going to be the place to be. St. Mary's the sixth most efficient defense in the country. They beat Pacific last night by more than 30, covering as a 17.5-point favorite, 97 points for the Zags, the most efficient offense in the country. What wins on Saturday in Spokane? Bocce, always a big weekend in the Big 12, where both Kansas and Texas enter this weekend tied for the top spot in the conference standings right now KU the reigning national title winners are the odds on favorite at minus 270 they host West Virginia on Saturday Texas visits a top 10 team in Baylor Pachi as you look at the big 12 odds right now if you had to decide a champ who wins the big 12 conference 
I'm just going to take a flyer here, and I'm going to go with Baylor. I think they're a deep team. I think they play competitive. There are six ranked teams out here in the Big 12 right now, Ben. When we get to conference tournament time, we know that March gets a little crazy. There's a little bit of madness in the air. It's upset season. You can't be too locked in on these top-tier teams necessarily winning their conference tournament. Obviously, Kansas, the best odds to do so, minus 270. They're 11-4 and four in Big 12 play, the number three seed team in the country. But you've also got the number eight seed Texas Longhorns, Kansas State at number 14, number nine Baylor, Iowa State, TCU 23-24 and 24, just trailing them. These teams are nationally ranked and could go out there and make an impact in these conference tournaments. I wouldn't just be so hung up on Kansas to run away with it. Posh, there's 10 teams in the Big 12. Six of them, like you just shared, ranked. That conference tournament in a few weeks in Kansas City is going to be a fun one to watch. Andrew Bocci-Galupo, the sauce in the month of March. Bocci, as always, thank you for your time here on the morning after. A look at the ACC, a huge weekend ahead in College Hoops next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time of year in college basketball. The stakes are at their highest, and that is the case Certainly in the ACC, teams contending for a regular season conference championship in some of the blue bloods in this sport, battling for their lives this season on the NCAA tournament bubble. To help us break it all down, to look at the weekend ahead in the Atlantic Coast Conference, live right here on this Friday on the morning after, it is Josh Graham. Josh, thank you so much for joining us here on TMA. It's been a while since we have spoken, my friend, but it's a very busy time in the ACC and this weekend, a true indication of that. Yes, I thought the reason why you weren't having me on is because you were siding with Jim Beheim about how mad he is at people in Winston-Salem, particularly, and in Pittsburgh. I thought that this was about, that's what it was about. Jim Beheim told you not to have me on the show. Yeah, the big bad Demon Deeks. They run the country in terms of NIL booster collectives in college basketball. In fact, Josh Graham, I don't side with Jim Beheim in virtually anything anymore. And that pains me as a Syracuse alum because I do not want to see the man that has built Syracuse basketball to what it once was become a villain. But as Harvey Dent said in the dark night, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And Jim, retire, please, sir, retire. So there, Josh Graham, there's my rant on Syracuse basketball. We won't talk a lot of orange basketball this weekend as they are not really relevant to the race in the ACC. But Josh, as you look at the conference standings, entering the second to last weekend of the regular season, it's a very tight race at the top. Miami is the heavy odds-on favorite with a 14-4 and conference record, just a half game in front of both Virginia and Pittsburgh, who are 13-4, and and Clemson trailing just behind by a game with a 12-5 and conference record or a game and a half of that top spot in Miami. So, Josh, as you evaluate the ACC right now, as we get to the end of this regular season, how chaotic do you think these next two weeks or so are going to be? I don't think it's going to be that chaotic because I think Miami is head and shoulders the best team in the ACC, which sounds crazy because Virginia 
is ranked higher, and they're still going to be ranked higher even after a loss to Boston College, I'd imagine, even though that's going to be close. Virginia is, you'd appreciate this, Virginia is a Big Ten team playing in the ACC where mm-hmm. they're older, they're more experienced, they got like their style, they're physical. It's not about scoring so much as it is the way that you play defense and winning slugfests. And that style of play and being older does pretty well over a 20-game conference schedule. So they're usually a pretty good bet to win the ACC regular season. Miami, though, but here's the problem with Virginia. They run a slower pace, and this year they are more three-point reliant than they've ever been because they don't have a dominant big inside. Their best big is 6'6", 6'7", a former East Carolina uh, transfer in Jaden Gardner. And this team might be the worst free-throw shooting team that Tony Bennett's had. And I'm not much of a math magician, Ben, but – When you run slow pace, there are fewer possessions. When there are fewer possessions, there are fewer points. And when there are fewer points, there is a greater emphasis on making your free throws. So Virginia is a team that you should keep note of not advancing far into your bracket when that time comes, despite their ranking, because of those two drawbacks, the three-point shooting and the free throws. As it comes to Miami – that team, they went to the Elite Eight last year, and they're better than they were a year ago. NIL has something to do with that, as your boy Jim Beheim points out. And I, I think that Miami, I, I just think that's a team that is built. Guards win in March, and there's no team in the ACC that has a better backcourt than Miami does. When you look at Isaiah Wong, his strides this year as well for the Canes has been tremendous. They already have a win over Virginia. They did lose to Pitt in the first of their regular season matchups, but the Panthers and the Hurricanes end the year against one another. Josh, you mentioned Miami. You mentioned Virginia, the sixth-ranked basketball team in the country, but points at a premium just a few nights ago in Chestnut Hills. They lost to Boston College 63 48 on this board we don't see the two preseason favorites north carolina nor duke to win an acc regular season title miami josh is the highest ranked team in ken palm at number 28 in the country last year the conversation was who it's been a down year for the acc how would you describe this season in the conference it's a down year for the acc for the acc standards And this is the part that frustrates me, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for it because of where I live and, you know, the the league that I usually cover. But when we talk about the SEC in football, we don't talk about Vanderbilt. We talk about the teams at the top. For some reason in the ACC, a lot of people want to spend time talking about Louisville and want to spend time talking about the bottom teams in the league. And then at the end of the year, I look at these bracketologists, and they're putting – three more or four more Big Ten teams in than the ACC, even though there might not be a living college basketball player today for who was alive the last time the Big Ten won a national championship. Meanwhile, the ACC has won all these titles over the last 10 years. I see three more SEC teams, and I think, wait a minute, Kentucky isn't good. And the last time Kentucky or the last team not named Kentucky won a national championship in that league, was Florida 15-plus years ago when many of these kids were in grade school. So I think we need to put a little bit more respect on the ACC's name. We learned this lesson last year when five teams got in and three went to the Elite Eight and two went to the Final Four. It's down for the ACC standards. They're not the best conference in basketball this year. That's the Big 12. It's warranted when Kansas did what it did last year and Baylor did what it did before that. But 
when I hear the Big Ten has almost twice as many teams that are going to make it as the ACC, I can't help but laugh at that. And you see the odds right there for these ACC teams and NCAA tournament conversations. And if they get to the big dance, heed Josh Graham's words because they might just make a deep March run. Josh, as you see right there, the Cavaliers have the shortest number to reach a Final Four out of teams from the ACC. But as you look up and down that board, which ACC team do you have the most confidence in come March making a deep tournament run? So the obvious one's Miami there at plus 950, but the one that I would really invest in in terms of value is Duke at plus 1400 because mm. this is a team, Ben, that has dealt with so many like weird nicks and injuries during the year that with, with a young team could really set back the timeline. And when you talk about one-and-done teams – Often it's about it's a it's not it's a sprint to try to get to March and figure out how you can get a team with such young players to play together with chemistry and trending playing their best basketball when it matters most because the issue isn't talent. Duke, when you look at the ACC's projected first round picks according to the Athletic Sam Pacini, they all are at Duke. It's Derek Lively, it's Derek Whitehead, it's Kyle Filipowski, and I think Mark Mitchell's a draft pick too. When this team is together. They've only lost two games this year and games that these, the, when they have their entire team, that's, and, and they lost to Purdue and they lost to Virginia in a game that they should not have lost, frankly, because of a call at the end of that game. So Duke is a dangerous team. We know they have the talent. I think John Shire's done a really nice job. The fact that you see that brand at 14 to one, mm. I, I think that's an interesting number there. After Miami, I give Duke the best chance of advancing to the final four. It's a great point, Josh. Year number one of the John Shire era, and the Duke Blue Devils could be a six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed. They are going to be one of the more dangerous higher seeds come the big dance in just a couple of weeks. And maybe if the bracket lays out, they could make a deep run, like we saw with an eight seed North Carolina last year, becoming just the third ever eight seed in an NCAA tournament to reach the national championship game. They entered this year, Josh Graham, as the preseason number one team in the country in college basketball, and they are hanging on for dear life, just trying to make the NCAA tournament. A dismal first half for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels on the road in South Bend just a few nights ago. Only 19 first half points, but North Carolina does come back, squeaks out a victory, 63-59 over a fighting Irish team that has won two games in the ACC this year. Josh Graham, did that short UNC victory on Wednesday night. Save the Tar Heels season. They very well could have. They needed that win. There's no such thing as a bad road win when you only have two road wins going into that. And tomorrow they have Virginia, which given the way that they're playing lately, I know you might think, oh, they're going to come out and they're going to play really hard. They just might, but I still think Carolina is going to win tomorrow night because of Armando Baycott and the efforts that we've seen from him against Virginia over the years. He's played Virginia four times in his career, not counting the last game where he went out a minute into the game, didn't play. And in the four games he played in, he's never had fewer than eight points and 10 boards. He had a 29-22 rebound outing in one of them. He is a monster when he plays Virginia. And given the fact they're not very big inside and Jaden Gardner is their best big at 6'6", 6'7", as I mentioned, I think 
it's a good matchup for Carolina. They play really well on their home floor, and that would be their first quad one win of the year. It's amazing. Yep. There are only seven or eight ace, uh, teams across high major college basketball that, on, that do not have a quad win this year, and a quad one win. And North Carolina is one of those teams, 0-9. They need it, and I, I think tomorrow night they get it, and they'll have another opportunity on their home floor to get a second one a week and change from now when Duke comes in. So don't ride off the Tar Heels by any means. Those quad one victories that UNC needs are incredibly vital at a time like this. Josh, as we go to the highlight of the ACC slate, tomorrow night inside the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill in North Carolina hosts Virginia. If, like you predict, North Carolina comes out and get a victory, what does that do for their NCAA tournament resume? It should make things tight, knowing this North Carolina team and given what we saw at Notre Dame earlier this week. It would not shock me at all if North Carolina wins on Saturday and they lose at Florida State the next game, and then it all comes down to Saturday. Huh, a Duke-Carolina game that means quite a bit. The last home game for seniors or you know, guys who have been around in the program are probably not going to be here next year. Don't know what to call those players anymore. Armando... Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, and a chance for the visiting team to come in and spoil the party? That sounds Mm. a little familiar to what we saw last year. And it goes back to what you kind of noted a little while ago at Duke. There's a symbiotic relationship between these two that it's, it's amazing when you look at the last 30 years how there's always an inverse when somebody seems to have the upper edge. Like when Coach K won back-to-back national championships and Dean only had one at that point, everyone thought, oh, no, it's Dukes. Dukes has the upper edge. And Carolina won the next year in New Orleans. And then Coach K has the bad back, and things don't look good for them. And Bill Guthridge took them to a Final Four. Oh, no, Duke might not have it. They won in 2001. And then Carolina wins in 05 and 09. How does Duke respond? National championship in 2010 and 2015. So when people say the rivalry's over, Carolina won in the Final Four and won last year, just wait for that inverse because it's coming, and it might be this year with Duke. And that game, to end out the regular season, that North Carolina very well might need to get into the NCAA tournament, the stakes could not be higher. That's what we love this time of year in college hoops, the ACC insight and analysis from our good friend Josh Graham, a sports radio host at WSJS in the triad in North Carolina. Josh, a big Saturday for you, my friend. Best of luck in all your travels all around North Carolina tomorrow to take in all the college basketball action. And to quote uh, Jim Beheim, there is real value being on Ben Stevens' radio show. I think Jim Beheim did once say that potentially. Retire, Jim, if you're listening. Sir, retire. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after rounding out our number one live right here on this Friday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is SportsGrid, and I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Friday. We just set the stage for a huge weekend in college basketball. The second to last weekend, really, for the high major conferences 
all around the nation. That's high stakes, and so too is this National Football League offseason, specifically focusing on those quarterbacks. It's really been the story for the Baltimore Ravens the past two offseasons as well, trying to negotiate with Lamar Jackson for both sides to come together and agree to a long-term contract extension. But as the off-seasons go and as the days pass, it seems more and more likely that Lamar Jackson might not be a Baltimore Raven for all that much longer. That maybe, just potentially, he might be on the trade block this year if they cannot come to a deal. So that was our question to you to end out our number one and fade the public. Will Lamar Jackson play for the Baltimore Ravens next season? A pretty simple question with maybe more complicated answers and some context needed for the yes and the no option. But most of the public right now, about 55% of the public at Sports TV on Twitter saying no, Lamar Jackson will not be a Baltimore Raven in 2023. His time at the helm of the flock has come to a close. But as certain people have said in the replies to this fade the public poll, it is important to have that context because Lamar Jackson could very well be franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens, about a price around $32 million for 2023, which would keep him in Baltimore unless he were to hold out and not play whatsoever, but would keep him in Baltimore even if a long-term contract extension cannot be reached between the two parties this offseason. That does it for our number one of the morning after, live on this Friday. But our number two is up next following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Fasano.